It is the roundtable on Dog Post, Georgia and Florida. The Dogs a 14-point favorite over the Gators. Fletcher Page joins Dean Leggy as always. Fletcher, uh, a very curious Monday in Gainesville. Um, it's got to be – I've covered this you know game for 17 years. Uh, Gators have um, – um, Florida's coming to this game as the favorite 15 of the last uh, 20 years. Uh, this has got to be the strangest Monday that I can recall on a couple of different levels. Let me read you a couple of quotes uh, about what happened um, on Monday. A couple of them are not that bad, just kids being kids. You've got um, sophomore receiver Josh Hammond saying uh, – just knowing that Georgia isn't a team we lose to, I think that's the message in the locker room right now. They might be the number three team in the country, but they can't beat Florida. That's our mentality going forward, and, we, and we'll come out and be ready to play. Um, not that bad. And then Chauncey Garner, a sophomore safety, says, we haven't lost to Georgia the last three years. Our seniors have never lost to Georgia. So I think the mentality that they bring, uh, being that they've never lost to Georgia, that brings a lot of confidence to us just knowing that Georgia isn't a team we lose to. Let me continue. Uh, then, then he says about Jake Fromm, who the two of us have been you know, a little more reasonable about his performance, I would say. Uh, but neither of us have gone in on him quite like this. Um, and I don't know. Well, anyway. Um, Garner says, I mean, you say they have a great quarterback. I get it. He's throwing simple passes. I get it. Anybody can throw a slant. I get it. If you call him the best quarterback, so be it. But, but, but he has to play Saturday. We're going to come back to that quote. Hold on, Fletcher, okay? Oh, there's more. There's, there's a lot more. Um, then Garner went on to say, I feel like we've been the underdog since the first game of the season, the whole season. Can these guys get back to Atlanta? We've been shocking everybody, proving everybody wrong. But this underdog role, that's just a word to us. Okay. Wait, did, did they prove people wrong when they were saying I'm not, Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Not, I'm not yet done. Okay. Um, and then finally, well, not finally, he says, uh, we are one of the top defenses in the country. Excuse me, we are one of the top defenses in the nation, one of the best in the SEC in my eyes. Uh, if you're better than us, prove it. It was one of the things that he added uh we're going to go back to that but then what also happened in florida like kids talking shit that's going to happen all right that's i i don't know if i don't know if it's smart but then there was this from jim McElwain, and this is actually he says there's a lot of hate in this world and a lot of anger and yet it's freedom to show it the hard part is obviously when the threats are against your own players and the death threats to your family and the ill will that's brought up and brought upon out there. Uh, Florida then released a statement saying the University Athletic Association takes the safety of our student athletes, coaches, staff, and families very seriously. Our administration met with Coach McElwain this afternoon and he offered no additional details. I don't know where you want to start. We're almost we're almost four minutes into this thing. I mean, I think what I would start right, let's start with the McElwain thing because it seems to me like the university 
and McIlwain are not on the same page here, and something's odd. Yeah, so so he's saying that he got death threats. And, and, then, some of the, and apparently, I mean, some people have it quoted as some of the kids were getting it too, which, first of all, well, you know what? I've talked a lot. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, obviously it's disgusting, um, yeah. and it sounds like the university followed up on this, and that's just sort of been the extent of it, right? Or that's going to be the end of it? I, I, I don't know if it's the end of it. They followed up on it. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, you know, two weeks ago, I had to spend like two or three days out of my week following up on a lawsuit that a Kentucky that a NCAA basketball officials filed against a Kentucky media organization uh, because he was receiving, um, you know, um, he was receiving threats and a lot of phone calls to his home and business. Uh, he saw what happened at Texas A&M with Kevin Sumlin receiving a racist letter to his home that I believe one of his children opened and read. Uh, so yeah, I, I certainly agree with uh, what McElwain said in terms of the hate, and there is a lot of anger and a lot of really extreme emotions um, on display now um, in college football, but also in politics and everywhere else in this country. So I agree with that, um, but it is a little bit odd the way that it's played out in terms of the university, that next statement that you read. It was That's kind of strange. And Florida's not like a you know, not well-run athletic department. I mean, at least they traditionally are not. Um, so I'm not sure what is going on down there. But you, first of all, I don't know how much of a loser you got to be to threaten someone's life, period. But to threaten over something as trivial as a college football game, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it speaks to either a lack. I mean, it's it, not surprising, honestly, though. Well, but I mean, do we have that much mental? Uh, uh, do we have that much issue in this country with mental um, stability that we're, we're threatening people over a college football game? Yeah, uh, certainly the mental stability angle comes in, but I think people also just have—they don't have a lot of things going for them, you know. You know, people that people that are actually doing things with their life or, or moving, you know. I think about a million things in my life and um, to complain about to a coach just to say not complain man he's I, alleging that no, what people I'm saying are is killing is to just to, to even complain about how the job that a, that a football coach is doing has never entered my mind like I've never I've never thought about trying to find Jim McElwain's I would never think of, to try to find his email or uh, tweet at him and say hey I think you're doing a bad job maybe that's just who I am as a person. Um, but to then to even do that to me is kind of weird. I understand maybe a donor or somebody with, that actually has some investment of time or money or energy in the program might want to seek out Jim McElwain and talk about it. But for people that are just watching it on TV from somewhere in you know North Florida, it's kind of strange. But then to take it to the next uh, level to where you're actually threatening physical violence, harm, or death, I mean, what the hell? I just, it's just such a bizarre Monday <clears throat> when you compare that to what George's Monday was like, which was like nothing. <laughs> like, well, that, but see, we, that's what, how, that, at the end of the day, that's how football coaches are. You know, we've had to hear about, obviously, Colin Kaepernick is a loaded subject, but a lot of that boils down to people don't want 
any distractions. They don't care what the outcome of your protest is or what your reasoning for protest is as it relates to football coaches and football people. They just get annoyed with everything. They get annoyed when the backup quarterback's doing too good and there's a quarterback controversy. They get annoyed when Sean Williams might say something about the defense being soft. I mean, any kind of distraction is annoying to a football coach. But then to have this all this going on for Florida it's and this week, uh, yeah, it certainly is not ideal. I just, I, you know, I was talking to a very tight end person, uh, a very tight end Georgia person last night, and uh, they said to me, I said, uh, what'd you make of those, you know, those gators kind of popping off? And they said, oh, I think McIlwain wanted them to say that. Yeah, I, I think. Um, he wants to try to get in their heads. And what I, what I would respond to that is all that shit, Ain't gonna help you tackle the four running backs that are gonna be fine. Yeah, maybe, you. but you have to be who you are. If if you are well, right now, right now the Gators are are talking a lot and they're not very good. Yeah, so I agree with what that. They are. That's fine, but I mean they're gonna get that ass whip. What are they gonna say after the game? That's my question. I mean, if anybody can talk, in fact, man, before games, the most interesting thing to me before right before games is it's, a lot of times the team that's too hyped up, that's jibber-jabbering a little too much, they're the ones that lose. And I'm not talking about days before the game. I'm talking about right before kickoff, the first hour before kickoff. You know, you don't want to play the game on Tuesday. You don't want to play the game 45 minutes before it, before it tips off or kicks off or whatever. I mean, you want to play the game in the 60 minutes or the 40 minutes that you got uh, in basketball. You, you need to play at that moment. And and what you're doing here is you've got two younger guys getting up there. And the poor kid, the, the, uh, the, the, the DB, Garner, I mean, he was just he, – he shouldn't have been up there. Like, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but he's not the right guy that should have been up there. They should have had somebody else up there because, you know, to say – We've been the underdog the whole season. Yeah, but that's how every sports team I've ever covered is. I've I've not heard Georgia say that they're the underdog. They've been the underdog once this year. I hadn't heard a kid in Athens say that. First of all, like, and let me draw the distinction here, too. Clemson was talking about being disrespected as the number one team in the country. And, and, And let me go in here a little bit. First of all, I kind of I kind of get that because they're Clemson, they're not the Gators. Florida should be good. They should be the alpha male, and all this other silliness that we hear from people that are at institutions like Texas, Georgia, Florida, USC, uh, you know, in basketball, North Carolina, Duke, bitch, y'all are never the underdogs. You may be in Vegas, but you're never the underdog. You should win. Yeah, but that's that, worse. I, that's an outside perspective, though. And I no, agree. that's reality. No, I, I agree with it. But inside that locker room, and you know this, from a player to to a team to a culture, that's all these guys hear all the time is that they're well, not they're good morons, enough. Well, they're morons, then. I mean, I'm talking no, about that, that's any not, athlete. That's just sort of the way you know this. I, I've, I've the ability – for a player at the University of Kentucky's basketball program 
to have a chip on his shoulder because somebody somewhere, whether it be a recruiting analyst or an NBA draft projection, whatever it is, the same thing's going on with Florida now. Uh, They all become underdogs because that is essentially a primal way to motivate. That's really what it comes down to. You've got to figure out a way to, to, to prove something. And so if you're, and that's not easy to do. And that's why I think you hear coach Saban say that positive press is rat poison, which is awesome because these coaches, again, are never happy. They're just miserable people. They're mad when the press is negative and then they're mad when the press is positive. So uh, yeah, this is a constant battle. I think, I got got to say though, as a competitor, I think the my concern with saying, hey, we're the underdog, it actually is a negative thought. It assumes that you should lose. Well, it might be for you. Well, yeah, I think it is for most people. Because when you are the underdog, statistically, you lose vastly more often than you win. Whether you're a one-point underdog or a 14-point underdog, you lose. I mean, that's why you're an underdog. <laughs> I mean – how many times – I mean, what is the win percentage between a, um, a 1 and a 16, a 2 and a 15, a 3 and a 14? What is the – I can give you actual numbers. Yeah, but I think to, you're, you're, oh, you're, discussing, I, you're discussing a, a literal interpretation of what an underdog is. What, what, the, what you're really what touching is, on, what though. Is, what, is, what is he talking about at, at what st- – I mean, Florida was an underdog to Vanderbilt. Is that what he's saying? No, but you're, you're being very be. black and white. You're I saying sure am. you're yeah. using a literal interpretation of what underdog means. As a, as All right, a, let me let me be more according to college be, football lines. I'm agreeing with your what you're saying, but I'm saying inside that locker room, they're seeing tweets about how they're not good enough, or they're hearing criticism. They're not though. They're not good enough. I mean, Florida has a rich tradition. In the last certainly the last twenty five years of uh, twenty seven years of what they've done as a football program, and this year they can barely score touchdowns. You right. wonder why you wonder why you're the underdog because you needed a miracle to beat Tennessee because you didn't score an offensive touchdown against Michigan because you beat Kentucky because of Kentucky's failures. You ran all over Vanderbilt. You lost to LSU. I think it was the week after they lost to Troy, yep. and then you lost to Texas A What? I mean, yeah, you're the underdog. Good. Celebrate it. And, well, then get that ass, that, and then get that ass beat and then start wondering why. You know, I mean, just my thing is if you are the a hunter, that doesn't make you the underdog. It just makes you the hunter. It means you're going out there to kill. This guy's rambling off shit that's incoherent. I mean, well, it doesn't even cliche. make sense. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's I get it's it. ridiculous. There's some if you want to talk shit volume. about Jake. If you want to talk shit about Jake Fromm, that's fine. But you're not going to get a lot of chances to defend against his passes, I don't think. And then when you do, you better bring it because you've talked a lot of shit about Jake Fromm here all of a sudden. And I don't think he gives a shit about you. And he's he's just gonna you know he's just gonna turn around, and hand the damn ball off, and he's gonna try to hit you with the deep ball. That's it. That's what this game is gonna be. Well, there of course, there's the testosterone battle is always a thing, especially in football. Um, I don't think you want it to be fake hype like it was for Georgia that's against Alabama it, in 2015. That's, that's right, but that's what this is looking like to me. 
Right. Well, it, it may or may not be a thing on Saturday. It's certainly, you know, I don't think, I, I agree. I understand that. So I, I'm not being dismissive of bulletin board material. But mm-hmm. one, like you're saying, once the game starts, it's not like Nick Chubb is going to run over people harder or that you right. know, George is going to block better because some cornerback ran his mouth. Um, and I, 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 if this is what it takes, though, for Florida to lock in or get ready or whatever, it's a lot of, it's a lot of um, emotional capital to spend up on a Monday. Yep. It's, yep. a, it's a lot of – it takes a lot of energy to, to do these kinds of things, I think. Unless it's just who you are. You know, like the, some, of those, some of those Miami teams um, in the past, there's been some teams that kind of thrive on, uh, you know, doing these kinds of things. I don't think that that's who the, this Florida team is, though. I would be concerned – I would be when Sean Williams popped off in 2012, he was talking internally about his team, and that was had a very direct message. And he was correct in many ways with what he said. Okay, right. so we're just, we're not playing tough enough. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. He he had directed it internally. What this is is to me, this is not a failure of the kid. The kid is just you know. I don't know who put him up there or who put these kids up there, but that was just the wrong decision. There's, there's, there's other. Hey, folks. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to endorse that because I, I love, I love when all the players are available. Well, they're not available. I mean, Florida puts them up on a podium. Well, it sounds like to me this was a pretty clear thing. Yeah, uh, no doubt. You play this game heads up, straight up, and take the stickers off the helmets, and Georgia wins this game probably what seven or eight times out of ten, maybe eight for sure. I would say eight or nine, yeah. I think Florida's only chance is to try to do stuff like this because it's, it's the embodiment of what the game will be. Uh, the only the pro- way, the, Go ahead. The only way Florida can win is if something something happens, something different. It can't be um, – it can't be uh, – this won't be a 17-14 to 14 win for Florida when they've scored two touchdowns on offense. They'll have had to have gotten a punt return or recovered a fumble inside the the twenty. Uh, they'll have had to have done some things defensively to generate offense. So uh, this, to me, kind of speak. It's kind of the embodiment of what this weekend will be. It's they're having to use some sort of outside different tactics um, to try to be in the game, and that's how I, I think see, the I've game just, will be. I've just seen this for too long in sports, and when, whenever. Um, you know, and I'm not talking, not, this is an analogy. I'm not calling the kid a dog, but, um, whenever you see an animal that gets very nervous, often it barks quite loud or it, it makes a lot of noises. And that's what we're seeing this week from, you know, Gainesville is a lot of false bravado. I remember, you know, so I cover a lot of games that are not necessarily Georgia. I remember, being underneath the stadium before the um, 2009 ACC championship game with Georgia Tech and Clemson, and Clemson had already lost to him once before, and Tech was just walking onto the field. This was the week after they had gotten beat by Georgia. Uh, Tech was just walking onto the field, and Clemson was making a lot of noise. And Tech just, you know, kind of mowed them over. Clemson could not stop them. The week before, and it was like Tech had learned their lesson because the week before. Tech had started a midfield fight with Georgia, a not-so-great Georgia team, 
and uh, had gotten knocked out. I mean, just lost a game that should have never really lost if you look at it on on paper and the situation that both those teams were in. You know, you start talking about Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl in 2007, just yapping the whole week. You look at Georgia with Alabama in 2015, basically trying to figure out how to, you know, get into it with Alabama before. Yeah, Alabama had no interest. They were just there to win the game and leave. And um, this often ends poorly. And the thing about it is, let's just say the Gators win this game, okay? I mean, hardly a stretch considering how much confidence is coming from Gainesville right now. You still got to win the rest of your games, and you need Georgia to lose. Yeah, but, dude, yeah, I agree, but you're taking it. This is a very micro week. This is not a macro week. I understand the East and the SEC championship and all those things are very important, but this week is not a macro view. So to be talking smack about Georgia, it only relates to Saturday. So I understand that if they win, then yeah, they it's just not. Help. It's, it's, but who it's cares not, if you're Florida? It's not. It's not the way to do it. I but mean, Florida, if you, if Florida's you, not going to win the East, okay? They're just not. Well, they still can. They still can, but they're not going to. Well, this guy's saying, can they get back to Atlanta? Well, they're not going to. But the, if you have a season where if you're if you're Georgia, and you only win eight games like last year, if mm-hmm. they would have beaten Tennessee and Tech or Florida, things would be a lot different. Of the way you'd feel about that season, if you're if you're Florida and you can't get to the dome. Uh, you've already had a, had some bad looks. You've lost some games, but you you can still have beaten Tennessee on a hail mary, and you can beat Florida or beat Georgia. Then your season, while a disappointment overall, has had some pretty awesome memories. So, I, yeah. I don't I understand. We're always talking about how programs are recruiting and what that means for a year or two, and how they can win the East two months from now, and all this stuff. But this week. I'm not so much interested in those kind of conversations. Yeah, the chickens have come home roost, though, for for Jim McElwain's recruiting efforts and so forth. I mean, it's how no surprise. How does Florida and Tennessee both have freshman quarterbacks? And you know what, Georgia too. But obviously, uh, yeah, Georgia. We I think we both understand how Georgia's got them. But go ahead. Well, it's a little different. I mean, Butch has been there since 2013. McElwain has been to the has won the East Division two years in a row. You know, obviously, Georgia's a little bit, and, and I'll give South Carolina in the same place. They're in the, just in the second year of a, of a change, um, and, and they obviously had a sophomore set up as the starter. But for a program like Tennessee's especially, that's had five years to build, and then Florida's had a couple. Um, their, Florida's options was Luke Del Rio and a true freshman, and Tennessee's options and a, was— and a, tra- and, and a grad transfer, too. That didn't work out. I mean, if you're bringing in a grad transfer at quarterback, yeah, you've got some major problems with recruiting. We've seen it at Georgia. We've seen it now um, at Florida. And for Tennessee to have the dormity kid, uh, who I assume will transfer, and then a freshman, it's just it's it's disappointing, really. I mean, I, I just I don't understand how you can have a program established and recruit for multiple multiple cycles and find yourself in this predicament in October. Well, the other, yeah, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here watching the t- TV is muted. Uh, McElwain just came on the screen. They're replaying yesterday, and how's this going to look in recruiting when you've got players getting death threats, according to the coach? Man, okay. it's just not. It, this is, this is, this is really. I mean, I mean, these two programs are going in completely different directions. I mean, they they're going in completely different That's directions. That's true. And that, that, and 
And I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, they they will likely lose to Georgia. That'll put them at three and four. They got to play Mizzou. You would think they'd win. I don't necessarily think they're going to beat um, South Carolina. I'm pretty. I feel like they won't. But um, well, you're making they, an they, argument for missing a bowl game. Well, they're scratching the way to get there. I mean, they're going to have to beat at UAB and Florida State to win at the end of the season. Um, you would imagine they would beat Mizzou and UAB. I'm not sure. There's a bunch of other wins out there left for the Gators. So that, but that Florida that Florida State game is going to be a bowl eligibility game. Correct. One of them's not getting in. I mean, Flor- that, Florida State. That's amazing. That's a, that's unacceptable, is what it is. And it's somebody's got some, somebody's got to be the underdog in that game. That is that's uh-huh. incredible. I mean, Florida State still got to deal with. I mean, uh, this is a big deal, but they got to play Boston College away from home Friday night. It's kind of sketchy. Uh, Syracuse Clem- at Clemson, Delaware State, and Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, they the looks better than the Gators, but it's not a lot better. And and you got to wonder. I mean, does does losing your quarterback mean that much? I mean, that's crazy that Florida State is just imploded like that. That's bad. That's bad. But yeah, both of them are going to be barreling towards that game with with five wins or fewer. So you would, you, we're both picking Georgia to win the game, right? I think they win and cover the line. Yeah. Oh, so you think they'll cover? Yeah, because I think it's <laughs> bless you. Here's Thanks. the thing. All right. So with the Gators, um, you know, th- their defense is not horrible. They're allowing 355 yards a game. So not the end of the world. What used to make Florida special was obviously the ability to score, and they got a bunch of turnovers. They got a negative turnover margin uh, right now. Their their offense is average, I would say. It's it's not great. It's 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 a, about what Kentucky's is, something like that. Better than Tennessee's, but but uh, worse than you know Auburn for sure. So there's nothing that really pops out, and they're not scoring a lot of points. I mean, that's another – that's kind of their main issue. I've got a, a board that I keep up with all of the major teams Georgia plays as well as Tech and Alabama, and, um, you know, only Tennessee uh, and Vanderbilt are scoring fewer points than the Gators. You know, Tennessee's averaging 20 points a game. Vanderbilt's 22. Gators are at 25 – 24, excuse me. That's it. So – um. I, I think this is going to be something like uh, thirty-five to seven or forty-one to ten. So yeah, I, I, I do think they cover. I don't know if it's my lock of the week or anything like that, but um, well, four, fourteen point spreads are actually easier to take if it, if you have a team like Missouri, um, who is not good, but they have a very good quarterback and they have an offense that's proven it can score against even Georgia. Uh, but certainly against Kentucky and less, lesser teams, Florida does not have a quarterback that you have confidence in. I do think I don't mean to beat up on Frank's kid. I think he's going to be great, but he's still just. You think he's going to be great, or you think he's going to be good? I think he's going to be good. I'm sorry. Uh, I should respect the words. Uh, he he's. I think he's going to be good, but again, he's only two uh, two months into his career, and unlike Jake Fromm, he does not have. Um, maybe three elite backs to hand off to. He might have like a half of an elite back. I don't think he even has that. So um, it's unfortunate for him. Um, but it's hard for me to take fourteen to take a fourteen point spread in a rivalry game like this. 
Uh, but Georgia's defense has just been so dominant, and Florida's offense has been the exact opposite. So I think the I think Georgia does cover, and I can't I really can't believe that I'm saying that. Well, I'll tell you why you probably are getting to that stage with this, which is is this one thing. So the dogs are getting knocked. Not, it's not 300 yards a game on the ground. It's 282, and they have run for 282. So they've they've outrun the average against Notre Dame. Penn, uh, Penn State, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Tennessee, who is allowing 247 yards a game, uh, over what Vanderbilt did, 243. Georgia almost ran for 400 against them. Um, Missouri, 203, is averaging. They they ran over that. I mean, at 144, uh, this is a pretty good. Uh, this is a decent run game. It's not as good as Mississippi State's is. Uh, so with what Georgia did to State running for 200 like it was kind of nothing, they're going to run on the Gators, and they're going to run more, and they're going to keep running, and they're going to run again, and then maybe they'll throw on third and two or third and six. But th- this game is um, is going to have a lot of pomp and circumstance. We've seen upsets in this rivalry. I mean, it's happened. Double-digit uh, uh, underdogs in 2014, 2000, in 1997 – We've seen massive um, underdogs win this game once a decade, but all the other times they've gotten beat. And in fact, they've gotten beaten pretty good. So I, I don't know that there's, you know, a, a lot of Georgia people are going to want this to be a bloodbath. They're going to want them to just kill the Gators. But I would say is it's probably not going to be like that because no game ever seems to be that way. Um, it's just going to be a solid beating that kind of gets stretched out. Now, Georgia's proven me wrong before. I mean, I've said they're going to solidly beat somebody, and they're just in the fourth quarter taking an axe to the person's head. But um, I just don't know, Fletcher. I'm, I, I don't know if the Gators are going to score a bunch. I mean, there's Georgia's allowing 13 points a game. Florida's not scoring much at all offensively. This is a tough matchup for the Gators, and I think they're going to have problems. Well, You've got, let's see, I'll be billing you for another 15 minutes. So um, I figure we talk too much about this game if both of us think that Georgia's going to win and cover. Well, we so, can talk about something else. There's no problem. I mean. Yeah, I was going to talk about some trips to Jacksonville because. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well. Here we go. I'm trying to think. Uh, one time, uh, let's see, I, I voluntarily agreed to sleep on a floor in Jacksonville, in a Jacksonville hotel, for only two Miller Lights. From, with me? Uh, yeah, I think that that was the arrangement. We had too many people. What was that? What that, year was that? That was 2011, I bet. Um, I think we had too many people God. and not enough beds. And somebody who, was going to have to sleep on the floor. Me, who was you, there? Me, you, and Wes. That's uh, not too many people. <laughs> I don't know what the situation was. If maybe we'd only gotten one bed and we had, I don't know. I prefer, I don't, I would have, I'd like to sleep in that bed, but I, I just am reminded at how stupid I was not that long ago. Oh no, that but wasn't the, long the, ago like, at all. The landing uh, was a thing. I don't know if. Oh I, yeah, you know who we went there with that one time. I was going to say one of the cool, one of the cooler things I cool? remember. Yeah, is uh, actually doing. Uh, Having an, uh, a beverage with a Georgia running back after the game. After I forgot the game. about that. I forgot about uh, that. That was pretty funny. Um, that was wild. No, I was going to say it was Laura McKeeman that was there that time. 
I saw her yesterday on 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 Fine Bomb uh, talking about the. Uh, I guess just talking generally speaking, but um, she was talking about that, and I, I, it was a flashback to 2011 because she was there with us at the landing, right? Or was that the night before? That was that was night after. That was after the game. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday. So I think that for you know it's it certainly is has been for me, and I know a lot of people they do the St. Simon thing. I actually went up to Frat Beach two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, How was is, that? Well, I had the well. That was when it was so contentious at the time. There have been some people that wanted it eradicated, and I, I had the I had the my lead to my story was that there was a unicorn crying uh, near the porta potties of. <laughs> Which is funny. It was a it was a girl dressed up as a unicorn, and she had clearly had a rough time with her boyfriend, um, and was not having fun at Frat Beach. But uh, there's always something going on down there. I, th- I certainly think that the that the game being in Jacksonville, it, you, with the river and St. Simons and the landing or whatever it might be, whatever your tradition is, uh, I think it's a lot of fun. But but that game has got or that area has got some drags to it. Oh, we're gonna. Okay. We're, I want to get into this because All right. I know you. I got have, no problem with yeah, that. I know you have a major issue with Everbank Field and the Jacksonville site. There's there's what? a specific service I know you don't care for. <laughs> Obviously, the traffic is an easy. It's, it's there's it's, a lot of problems with Jacksonville, right. and, and 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 I think I told you this after. 13 were you you were not around at 13 david ching was with me but um i i, I kind of went on an epic rant about you know the game in jacksonville and all this stuff and how you know i said you know it's sitting about georgia winner or losing us this is georgia's won this three years in a row i want you to know that i want someone to put this down on record that i'm complaining after georgia's third win about jacksonville here's my issue with jacksonville among other things a it's nearly impo- – I mean, the traffic situation is awful all the time, no matter what. And the the parking is a disaster. It's one of the most difficult places for us to park and get to the game. It's just it's just not well kept around the stadium. Um, the media situation in Jacksonville is not good at all. Georgia gets a you know a room about the, maybe a third of the size of what the Gators media thing is uh as well as well as uh you know just both schools have to have interviews in the hallway it's just like a total it's like grand central station after that game um and the funny thing is both teams i think can can hear down the hall from one another it's it's just it's a weird setup it's not well well laid out necessarily and that that may be nothing that the jags or whoever puts this on can can do anything about it but um, that all of that pales in comparison. It, yeah, to the, to the food. I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but but see, the food is a microcosm of uh, the the food really gets into that. This game doesn't mean that much to Jacksonville. It's indicative of an overall attitude that that is just a hassle. It's a Saturday. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I I need to really find out. <laughs> Who puts it on? Who's actually responsible? I can't tell. I mean, I know Florida is responsible for nearly everything on game day in terms of the media. I think in terms of almost all the other stuff, it's it's it's, it's the Gators' responsibility. And you know, if you were to see the food that they you know try to serve to the media, 
it is about the worst I've ever seen anywhere. Now it's food. So it's hard to really complain, but I will not be eating it anymore because I can't tell if it's actually meat or cardboard. I mean, it really, I'm not joking. Yeah, it's it, horrible. For me, obviously. And a lot of people say the same thing. I mean, like right. Bob Red, Amy Campbell. I mean, these people I've known that have covered the Gators for a while, they, they don't get it either. I mean, it's not, it's, it's just bizarre. Well, and, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, one last thing. I don't know why this is the case. It used to be, there was two things. Number one, media folks, people who are not photographers, they cannot go onto the field before the game. Right. So that's strange. Number two, and this is this was super creepy. For about three or four years, Florida required that you send in your social security number as well as your home um, address. Well, I'm like, no, we're not doing that, you know. And so Florida finally had to back down. But they were collecting our social security information as well as our home address. Yeah, Hello, I that weird. Uh, give me a break. Yeah, as a guy who has form has previously slept on a floor for only two Miller Lights, which in the long run was not a good deal. Uh, I never complain about free meals. Like I just I take the meal and I just eat the meal everywhere I go. That's you know whatever. Media meals are never really great usually. Uh, no. but they're usually just, it's just right down the middle, just fine. But there's something wrong. I, it's, it is indicative. And I, and I, I'm, I'm saying all this because we always hear so much about the economy getting stimulated by this game. And, yep. uh, you've made the point in the past that there's a bowl game in, in Jacksonville every December, um, that they are equipped to deal with basically because of the Florida Georgia game. Yep. That's the only reason bowl game in October. The only reason the Jacksonville Jaguars are there is because Georgia and Florida played for decades. One of the one of the reasons why the Gator Bowl organization is there because is because the Dogs and Gators played there. I mean, for years, and old timers listening to this would know. For years, the Gator Bowl literally was the Gator Bowl. the The concessions uh, people were in orange and blue jackets. Um, uh, same thing with the ticket takers and the ushers. It was a Gator production from start to finish, except on the field where Georgia usually, you know, had their way. Uh, it's it's the same thing now, basically, except that you're not in in orange and blue. I mean, it's just you know yeah. on the sideline on the sideline everybody's cheering for Florida, the cops, the security guards, whoever, um, and that's fine, no big deal, but. My only thing is that Jacksonville has got to act like it actually gives a shit about this game. Well, I don't that, know what the fan experience is. Now, maybe people that are going into the I, stands. I've, I've gone as a fan. It's it feels like a. I mean, it it it's just it's its own thing. But I mean, you know, you're in Florida. Well, yeah, that's cool. But what I, what I've experienced as a media person is obviously the traffic is something fans have to deal with too. Uh, the parking is not ideal. Whatever. I understand that that kind of comes with. Well, that kind of comes with the fact that there are so many people, some many of which don't even go to the game. They're there for the party, and I love that. I think that that's what it's all about. So you deal with a few of those things because you're showing up for that. That's part of the atmosphere. But you go, you get to Everbank. You have to stand in the line because they won't open the gate before a certain time. So, you, so you have to. Which, which, by the way, if you don't watch it. You got the whole Florida band lining up right there in front of the well, gate. That, well, that, see, you have to get there so early because if you don't get there early, you're not going to make it. You'll be late. So then you get By there. The, 
you get you their know they, you know they give the Florida contingent the Florida media contingent their passes before they get there, right? They can just walk in. Right. But see you can't because the, the I think the issue for me in the past has been the gates will open, but the media will call does not open at the same time. So you, like you're saying, if you don't already have your pass, which if you cover Georgia, you can't already have your pass, then you gotta stand in this line after you've gotten there too early, because if you didn't get there too early, you'd be too late. And so then you get in there, and then I'm, I know this is probably not, people don't care about this, I, and I don't need a, the, the world's yeah, smallest but if we're dealing with me. it, if we're dealing with it, that means the administration at Georgia's dealing with it too. Right. Prob- well, then you get in there, and then every single security guard has, you have a, phot- a photog pass, so you're just going to flit around and go to the field and take your photos. That you might post to the website. But I don't think I can go to the press box. Right. So then every single security person that you pass by is like, stops you and is like looking at your pass. And it's clear that obviously they mark these things with a P or an M or an A or a D or a Z or whatever letters, colors they've come up with to designate which zones you are allowed to go into. And none of them seem to know what colors and letters and numbers they're using for that day. And again, it's just indicative of, of, this is an inconvenience to these people. They're having to work on a Saturday. That's basically what it is. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's all, I've always had some animosity or some anxiety or some uh, agitation, every Florida Georgia game I've ever covered. And then I went back there for the Gator bowl last year, which tax Slayer bowl now. Um, And it was fine. It was about the same. Uh, And I left my bowl gift Oh, we didn't even, I didn't get the bowl gift and it was a good gift. I can't even remember. It was like a, it was an external hard drive. Really? Of some sort. I'm sure it wasn't max capacity. And I left that thing in Everbank Field and I was pissed off about that for a solid day or two. That was the only I, I don't, I, I wonder, if, that bowl you game. know, the, the interesting thing too about this game is I do, you know, this game could be played anywhere in these states, which means it could in theory be played in Miami Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, um, or it could be played in Atlanta. It could also, and this is the real threat, it could also be played in Athens and Gainesville. Now, I don't get the impression under any, you know, very few circumstances do I see that this game will move. I think it will always be in Jacksonville. But I do think that the threat of Atlanta is very real as of the last 30 years. And, and the reason is because they play the, the championship game there. I think there's a legitimate reason. There's a legitimate um, – there should there, – you know, Georgia and Florida both should legitimately consider Atlanta because, A, uh, the SEC championship there is there every single year. B, now we've seen that the college football championship is being played there as well. And then C, for Georgia specifically, you're not going through all the madness that you get when you're going down to Jacksonville. Now, the major difference, and Georgia will, Georgia and Florida both say this, is you know they can't fit as many people into um, the, the new Georgia Dome as they can into the Gator Bowl. But my thing is, make Jacksonville earn it. Um, it's a huge event. For Jacksonville, I mean, it's it. I've been going to this game for 20 years, and it is a massive event for the town, for South Georgia or Southeast Georgia down there, the the Golden Coast. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good things that happen in this game, but when you get into the stadium and you get around the stadium and all this, it does it does feel a lot 
like they're doing you a favor by being there. And um, this this game costs me consistently more than any other game because no matter what, like I can't just drive down there and drive back, right? I mean, I've got to have two nights in the hotel. So that's, that's, you know, 500 bucks, something like that. And you've got all the gas to get down there as well as all the food. When you go to Kentucky, you know, you have that you problem. You just stay with me. Well, Tennessee. Now, you Tennessee, you could go and come back. In, in theory, Columbia, you know, I don't know why anybody want to spend the night in Columbia, but, you know, <laughs> Auburn, same thing. But, but that's every other year. This is a consistent thing. A lot of people really look forward to the, to the trip because of the beach. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good on beach. You know, I don't, you know. So the big, the big, the big thing to me is it just feels like all the time, it feels like they're doing everybody a favor by having the game. And it's like, no, you wouldn't be here without this game mattering. And to some degree, this is this is stretching it, but to some degree, Jacksonville really arrived when they got the Jags. And the Jags don't get there without Georgia and Florida, period. And I, I just think that Jacksonville – the town, the municipality, but certainly the sports council or whoever it is that actually puts the game on, they got to do a better job of making this thing easy. Okay. And a lot of things they, a lot of times I I feel like they don't. And I I think Georgia and Florida both, not just Georgia. I think Georgia and Florida both should, should explore other places knowing that they are probably not ever going to leave. Yeah. Just, just for the sake of competition. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't mind Jacksonville. It's it's not a great town. I mean, it's 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 not Nashville. Nashville's nice. It's not you know, it's not Atlanta. It's not it's not much. I mean, it's 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 like Birmingham near with, the ocean, the river. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not not that great, you know. So, but it's it's it, look, it's got a lot of lore. There's been a lot of, you know, really, there's been a lot of amazing, great things that have happened for Georgia through the years in Jacksonville, okay? And in the last 27 years, Florida hasn't had a lot of amazing, great things. It just had a lot of wins, you know? There's not been a lot of just crazy wins with the exception of 2003 and 2010, but they just solidly kind of gone there and there and, and rubbed Georgia's face into it. Georgia, through the years has had some wonderful memories down there, 1985, 1980, 1981, to some degree 1982, uh, you know, 2007, 2012. Uh, that 2012 game might be one of the most epic games I've ever seen. I mean, that game was huge. And uh, Georgia-Bama later that year was more epic, but, but that the Georgia-Bama game overshadows how massive that 2012 Georgia Gator game was. I mean, that game was for all the marbles, literally. And the winner of that game was going on for a matchup with Alabama to play for the national championship. Dogs came in as, I think, six-point underdogs, which felt like nothing. And they just gave it to Todd, and they relied on their defense. And Aaron Murray played like purity horseshit. (laughs) And then he just... Figured it out, and Malcolm Mitchell and Jarvis Jones, Jarvis Jones, and then Malcolm Mitchell ran into history uh, that night. 
And that, that, that is one of the all-time great games in Jacksonville because these two teams, they have rarely both been very good at the same time. It's, it's, in the past, it was Georgia that was better. In the more recent – in the 90s, the Gators were much better. Uh, but there's rarely been times – like in 2002, Georgia was the hot team and the Gators were no good. Uh, in 2005, Georgia comes into that game, but they don't have their quarterback. And even the Gators weren't top 10 team that game, if I'm, I don't think. So it's been tough to hit it on the right note. In 06, Georgia was bad. 07, neither of them were – I mean, they weren't both top 10. 08, that was a massive game, and Florida killed them. Okay, so with the exception of 8 and 12, there's not been a lot of times that you enter this game in the last 30 years – or maybe even the last 50 years, where both teams have been huge national players at the same time. Twice that happened in 12 and 8, both very different outcomes, but uh, and both with barreling towards dates with Alabama in those cases, both. But that's what Jacksonville people think about. They think about all the big games. Nobody thinks about 2010 or 2011 or you know, 2015 or 20, you know, 2006, you know, nobody's thinking about those games because those are just kind of boring games. They happen. They're exciting in the moment. But this game is classic because of 2012, 2000, the, 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 the back to back of 2007 and 8, 2002, uh, 1997, which was out of the blue, uh, 1993, uh, 1992, 1985, 1981, 1982, 1983, 1975, all these games were just classics. And Oklahoma, Texas has the same thing, too. They're not always you know, both ranked in the top ten. Usually it's just one of them. It's very similar. But, you know, if you were to ask the Horns and the Sooners, um, you know, what, what makes the rivalry special, every game that you play can't be special. But the ones I listed there were um, – I think were special games in the rivalry, 12, 8, 7, uh, to some degree 2, um, 97, 98, 92, 93, 85, 84, um, 81 through 80, 80 through 82, 75. All these just wild games that had um, – the soundtrack was Larry Munson. You know, you had Tim Tebow. You had you had Heisman Trophy winners in this game. You had running backs you've never that you'll never forget: Herschel Walker, Todd Gurley, No. Sean Marino. Um, you know, you just have these characters: Vince Dooley, Steve Spurrier, uh, Urban Meyer, Mark Richt. You had some real classics, and that's why this game is special. Uh, that's why these guys are going down there. That's why you're hearing. Uh, so much from the Gators about how they're going to win this game, even though they're 14-point dogs. It means that much. And the old-time Gators will tell you this is their biggest game. The younger people will tell you it's the Knolls. But the old-timers will tell you they've seen Georgia come down there and beat them too many times and cost them conference championships for them not, for this not to be the biggest game for them. But it's a, it's a huge game. Jacksonville just has got to treat it a little better, better to me. That's that's all that's all I'm saying.
I think you wrapped it up pretty well there. That was a nice seven-minute soliloquy about you, you Florida, Georgia. I'm out. I'm good. That was that was well said. I, I just stepped back. I knew once you got kind of rolling there. I was in the presence of you're awesomely average, Dean, and I thought you nailed that one. This series has had four Heisman Trophy winners. Not done yet, are you? Well, I mean, you had, you know, Herschel. You got Charlie Trippy, you know. <laughs> Uh, Sinkwich, Tebow. Uh, I'm, I'm naming non-Heisman people now, but um, that's had some fascinating, wonderful players and wonderful, you know, times. But it's it's also had its duds. But um, it is it is one of the sights of college football. Our, I think Army Navy's got to be the biggest, but you know, Georgia, Florida. Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, those games are just so epic in their own way. Um, and they're big in ways that Bama-Auburn, um, Bama-Auburn is so important and so special in its own way. But it feels like it's so contained inside those strange borders of, that, of, the, of the Yellowhammer State. Georgia-Florida encompasses almost, I think, a thousand miles of um, from Miami to Chattanooga, or well, the keys to Chattanooga. It's, it's a thousand miles or something like that, something crazy of of people along the way where this is such a big deal. And um, you know, it, it's a big game. It's Georgia's biggest game of the year every year, and um, it's an important game. It's important that they win this week. I agree on all fronts. One of these days, I want to get you to write a story about Jacksonville, Georgia. Yeah, that's a, that was a that was not good. No. That was the story that I turned down. Dean Dean wanted me to write a story about Jacksonville, Georgia, and I straight up bucked on that. I was like, I, I don't I don't want to write about it. You know what though? That's, that became a, that became a national story, boy. I think that that you know you just make phone calls to see what you can find. You're just kicking out over turning over rocks and seeing what crawls out from under. But I, I certainly did not want to kick rocks in Jacksonville, Georgia. So props to you for figuring that out on your own. But I stand by my stance. What is uh, what is your cocktail of choice going to be on Saturday? Uh, I've just been drinking Woodford Reserve. Just straight like my dad. <laughs> I haven't even been pouring it into a glass anymore. I'm just taking the top off the bottle. So, uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, Hopefully to get the champagne out down there um, in Jacksonville, but uh, yeah, I'm sticking to the bourbon here up here in the bluegrass. It's gotten that bad. I get it. All right. Well, join us next week on the roundtable as we talk about either the most deflating loss in, in Kirby's. I don't even know if it'd be the most deflating loss, but it would certainly be up there uh, in uh, recent Georgia Florida history. Or uh, what's next for the dogs? As I look forward to South Carolina. All right, Fletcher. We'll see you next week on the roundtable. Later.